We all seek love and acceptance, a home, a shelter. We look for it whenever and wherever. Then suddenly, she just walks right through the door, and immediately you are consumed by her laughter, her smile. But more importantly, her brilliance was unmatched. Sometimes, those people are the ones you must watch out for the most. Because you may find that may not really be them at all. And behind that beautiful smile and charismatic charm are 38 aliases, unknown arrests, and an unbelievable amount of lies. Here are their stories. Sims was born on January 20th, 1966, in Attleboro, Massachusetts, to parents Jesse and Jackie Sims. Lauren was a cheerleader and a good student at Hernando High School. She had an incredibly high IQ of 140. And even though her intelligence was off the charts, she dropped out of high school and began a rebellious spree, stealing and funding her lifestyle as a thief. As time went by, she found herself with two children, fathered by two different men. Lauren's antics continued, and she was apprehended and arrested in Tampa, Florida for stealing a L'Oreal hair color kit from Woolworths. And not too long after being released, she went back to her old ways and broke her probation by stealing credit cards and committing fraud. Lauren did not learn. When the authorities were searching for her, Lauren decided it was time to ditch her ankle monitor, and with one of her daughters, Haley Jordan, by her side, off she went to Las Vegas, Nevada. In Las Vegas, she met Larry McNabney, a Sacramento, California attorney and horse enthusiast. Larry was born on December 19, 1948. They first met when Lauren applied for a position Larry's law firm in 1995 in Las Vegas and began using one of her many aliases, Alyssa Rettelsberger. Larry hired Lauren on the spot and she proceeded to handle many large cases. According to Tavia Williams, one of McNabney's daughters, Larry raved about his new hire, Lauren. He even said, and I quote, Tavia, you will be so impressed with her. She's brilliant. She's so bright and handles things. It's a load off my back. Larry was beyond smitten, but his family and friends was unsure. Tavia Williams said, My relationship greatly changed with my dad. She put a wedge between us. I wasn't allowed to call him and wasn't allowed to see him. Larry's friends also noticed that Alyssa, as they called her, offered sketchy details of her past. Fellow Reno lawyer and Larry's friend said, and I quote, You would ask her about where she went to high school, 
and pretty soon you'd be talking about skiing. Something was just not right. They were correct with their suspicions, because not too long after, the Nevada State Bar investigated Larry's law firm in late 1995 and decided to revoke Larry's licenses because they found evidence of Lauren, or should I say Alyssa, had embezzled more than $140,000 from Larry's existing clients. Larry was made to pay the money back and consequently, Larry had to relocate his practice to his hometown of Sacramento, California. Even though Lauren caused Larry quite a bit of problems in his career, Lauren was still able to woo Larry and she became Larry McNabney's fifth wife in 1996. It was rumored that Larry really liked her because they shared the same passion for horses and loving wine. Lauren and her daughter Haley eventually moved in with Larry. Despite the financial problems that Lauren caused, Larry still wanted to move forward with a life with her. The problem was, Larry still did not know much about Lauren's past. He did not know of all the stealing, the probation, the arrests, the 38 aliases she had previously used. He did not know much about his wife, and unfortunately for him, her troubled past is about to come back with a vengeance, and he is her next victim. While in Sacramento, Lauren and Larry decided that they needed a secretary. That is when they met 21-year-old art student studying in Sacramento State University, named Sarah Dutra. Not long after, Lauren and Sarah became very good friends. Sarah even began joining Lauren and Larry to horse shows and would frequently go to the mall and splurge on material things at the literal expense of Larry. According to Ginger Miller, another worker for the legal office stated, They spent a lot of money on Gucci clothing. I would say that they spent a minimum of $200 or $500 per pair of shoes. They dress a lot alike most of the time, and so they would buy two of everything. Then, on September 10, 2001, Lauren, Larry, and Sarah were at a quarter horse show in Los Angeles when Larry collapsed. The very next day, on September 11, 2001, the same day the terrorists attacked the World Trade Center, witnesses saw Lauren, or as they knew her, Alyssa, and Sarah pushing Larry around in a wheelchair, and this was the very last time anyone had saw him alive. They traveled back to Sacramento, and Lauren told many of his friends and family, including his kids, that Larry was too sick to see or speak with any of his visitors. And even though Larry was apparently too sick, his law practice remained open, with Lauren at the helm of the office. It was apparent that Lauren was suddenly the one negotiating for lawyers, and then spending any settlement money that came in from personal injury clients. Despite Larry's absence, Lauren continued all the workings of the office, and even hired her own daughter, which shocked many of Lauren's friends, who didn't even know that she had a daughter until that very first day of Haley's employment. A month after witnesses had seen Larry in the wheelchair, Lauren decided to tell people he moved away and filed for divorce, but there were many different stories and accounts of where he went. She said that he was on a vacation to Puerto Rico, in a rehab facility in Florida, joined a religious commune in Washington. All these excuses did not sit right with Larry's children. Larry's daughter, Tavia, said, what was strange to us was the length of time that she was saying dad was gone, that he was in a place where honestly he wouldn't have been. 
She said that dad didn't come home, that he didn't want to celebrate his birthday, and things snowballed. Because of the suspicious nature and inconsistencies, Larry's children decided to hire a private investigator, but that turned zero results. Soon enough, Lauren started selling off Larry's significant assets and even giving away his own personal belongings that same exact winter. And by the time police decided to interview her, Lauren was already gone. She was last spotted on January 11, 2002, and she drove out of town in her brand new red Jaguar. But before she left, she made sure to stop by Sarah Dutra's and bought her a matching red BMW just as a goodbye present. Then, three and a half weeks later, it was February 5th, 2002, San Joaquin Vineyard workers saw a leg sticking out of the ground and called police. The body was identified as belonging to Larry McNabney. The autopsy revealed that Larry had been dead for months. The cause of death was poison, a lethal dose of a drug. He was injected with a horse tranquilizer drug called Zelazine. The police began the interrogation of Larry's family and friends. Evan Reese, who knew of Lauren and Larry from the horse show circuit, said, We were at a horse show in Susanville, California, and she said, Evan, can I ask you something? Can you kill with horse tranquilizers? I said to her, kill a horse? And she replied, no, a person. This prompted the authorities to look into the name Alyssa McNabney, but they found nothing. There was no license, no social security, no trace of someone being of that name ever existing. So the police decided to rush to the law offices of Larry McNabney and found nothing. In fact, the entire office was cleared out completely. They then decided to search a horse trailer, where they found Lauren's belongings. They found a folder that contained the name Lauren Renee Sims Jordan, and they decided to run that name through the system. And sure enough, her laundry list of a rap sheet came back at 113 pages long. Elissa was really Lauren Sims, who was really Lauren Jordan. The San Joaquin Sheriff's Office issued a murder warrant for her arrest. While she was on the run, Lauren used another alias. She was now Shane Everoni. She finally settled in the town of Destin, which was right at the Florida Panhandle. She brought her daughter Haley with her and already had a couple of jobs scamming the local men. But in March 18, 2002, she was caught, arrested, and put into the Hernando County Jail and was held without bail. Two weeks later, while in custody, she wrote a three-page letter confessing to the murder and even incriminated her buddy, Sarah Dutra. In her confession, Lauren admitted that her and Sarah used a high-power horse tranquilizer to kill Larry at a Los Angeles hotel the day after the horse show. They apparently injected him first and then proceeded to mix a drug into Larry's drink. Lauren traveled to Yosemite National Park to bury Larry, but he was still alive, so she returned to Sacramento with the unconscious Larry McNabney in the back seat. She then moved him to the garage until he died. The day after he died, Lauren already liquidated many of his assets, including selling his horse trailer and truck for $110,000. Sarah and Lauren decided to put his dead body in a refrigerated area in the garage and sealed it shut with duct tape. It wasn't until a few months later in December of 2001 that Lauren decided to bury him at the vineyard where he was found. After writing her confession, her family visited her, including her now 16-year-old son, who she hadn't seen in about 9 years. Then, on March 31, 2002, 
She took her pillowcase, ripped it into shreds, braided it to a make makeshift rope, fastened it to an air duct, and hung herself on Easter Sunday 2002. Always a con man, that Lauren. In her suicide note, Lauren begged her lawyer to sue the Hernando County Jail for failing to prevent her suicide. She further requested that any cash raised from the case be distributed to her children. In the note, she said, This is all I could give to my children. My actions now will allow them to move into the future without this heavy burden. They won't have to watch my trial on court TV. They should all die with me. She also alleged that she was not checked in in her cell frequently. However, this has been refuted by an investigation. Sarah Dutra went on trial for her part of the murder of Larry McNabney. Sarah claimed that Lauren manipulated her to be an accessory to the crime, but Haley Jordan, Lauren's daughter, testified against her, saying, and I quote, Sarah never acted as she was afraid of my mother, never. Sarah was initially charged with capital murder, but the jury convicted her of voluntary manslaughter and an accessory to the murder instead. She received a maximum of 11 years in prison. On August 26, 2011, Sarah Dutra was released from the Central California Women's Facility after serving 85% of her 11-year sentence and was released at the age of 31 to do it. Though she may not be here anymore, her daughter did explain a lot of things. In her interview with 2020 regarding the situation, Larry McNabney had his problems too. He apparently suffered from alcohol and drug addiction. And Haley continued, saying that Larry would physically attack and threaten Lauren, and that he was using the pending jail charges from Florida against her mother. But none of this were ever proven to be correct. Lauren's daughter Haley believed that her mother was a victim of domestic abuse and said, you never have to stay in a position where you don't feel safe, a place you question. You have the right to feel secure, and you have the right to create whatever future that you want. However, McNabney's family and friends, more specifically his daughters from previous marriages, such as Kristen Olsen, claimed that her father was not physically or emotionally abusive at all. Unfortunately, Larry just wanted to love, and he yearned for it to a fault. He overlooked every red flag because of all the love he was willing to give. And because of that, Larry McNabney will not be forgotten.